Welcome to The Experience of You, a podcast on how to own your personal brand and have the mindset to get your goals and live your dreams. People who lead with an authentic and positive personal brand create the ultimate experience for others. And when they do, they get what they want, personally and professionally. It's not about likes and followers. Don't let others dictate your brand. Take control of it and own it. Throughout this podcast, brilliant people will help you learn how. I'm Dave Thompson, and here's this week's guest. Welcome to Experience of You, a podcast about personal branding and being your best. And I'm so excited today because I have Nikita Ren Thigpen with me today, a friend, an influencer, and certainly a mentor and Let me first start laying down for you all her background so you understand where she comes from and where her leadership influences others. She broke barriers and glass ceilings nearly 10 years ago when she combined her professional skill as a psychotherapist, trauma specialist, sexology and relationship expert with breakthrough success coaching people to raise the bar inside the personal development industry. She's now regarded as the number one balance and relationship advisor in the world. Nikita has become the go-to for fast-scaling married women entrepreneurs and power couples seeking to balance love and success without dimming or apologizing for their ambition. She's the creator of the Breakthrough Paradigm, the Joy Map Method, and an international best-selling author of the book Selfish, she is a transformative empowerment speaker, and she is CEO of FigPro Balance and Relationship Management Institute. Nikita and her team set out every day to inspire, equip, and empower her client partners to amplify intimacy 360% across all key relationships so they can create joy and achieve whole success. She is fully living the life she teaches others creating safe spaces for crucial conversations as a leading podcast host, wife, mother, minister, and G-Bunny, which she translates as grandmother. Thank you, Nikita. (laughs) I'm laughing because my favorite part of all my accomplishments are my grandbabies, (laughs) which I didn't actually create. (laughs) I have two now. Wonderful, wonderful. Let's start by you sharing the kind of breakthrough work that you do with the Balance and Relationship Institute, because there's a lot to unpack from there and working with people on intimacy mm-hmm. and leadership. Love to learn more there. Yeah, absolutely. So we broke down our company into two key divisions. Of course, each division has its own stream or funnel of programs, if you will, for how people enter in and grow with us and ascend to the greater part of their transformation, becoming the 10.0 version of themselves. I'm hopeful that we attract them at their 2.0 level because we don't want them to necessarily be waking up from the embryo, discovering that they want more. (laughs) We want them to have had some trial some tribulations, some challenges, some go through that they already had to navigate through and then discover that in order to get to the next level, they need to not do it alone in their shrink wrap bubble Mm -hmm. that they've been in up until this point. 
So our two divisions are really broken down into working with the, the power couple and that married woman entrepreneur and a few brave men that come in without their forever loves first. Usually the women are leading them, but sometimes we have men step up and say, nope, I'm ready. I want this. I want to develop me. I want to engage me. I want to get more intimate with me. So we do one-on work with them. It's very exclusive. It's very high level. It's very deep and transformational work. And then we have the other division where we do the leadership intimacy, where there's a lot of personal development for emerging leaders in companies. And then on the higher level, if they're trying to retain the leaders that they have, but they realize that they're disconnected from maybe it's a generational separation for the new employees that are coming in. Maybe it's just a lackluster because they feel like the world has changed in the company and they're not able to enforce their their power the way that they could be to make actual change within the culture that the company claims they're trying to create. So it's very personal development focus on the corporate end and individually it's crucially personal development with a relationship scoop of icing on top, right? Like with all the focus of that. So those are our main kind of two divisions. And again, there's various programs that tether out of each of them, but everything comes down for us is amplifying intimacy in a very kind of 360 degree way, because we're not just doing it so you can have great sex. That is important for you to experience if you are consenting and able to do so with a willing consenting partner, right? Whatever rocks your boat that way. But it's deeper than that. It's emotional intimacy. It's being in touch with you and being okay with looking yourself in the mirror and not wanting to pick apart all your flaws and all the things that are wrong with you and loving you truly so that you can emanate the radiance of connection and vulnerability, which is a strength, and compassion and integrity outward to all the people that you want to attract in your realm. Wow. So leadership intimacy. Talk a little bit about that, because that's a fascinating phrase, and I want people to understand where you're going with that. No, thank you. So intimacy in and of itself, just pulling back a little bit from the Webster's definition, is really just deep in connection. That's all it means. Like we've perverted it when our childhood thoughts come around the word. Oh, gosh, intimacy. This is inappropriate. We can't talk about this in corporate culture. It's literally about deepening connection. If you have customers, you should want to have customer intimacy. That doesn't mean you're having sex with your customers and your clients. That means you're deepening, right? Like you're deepening the connection with them so you can give them, to your point always, an experience of your brand, an experience of the thought leaders and the doers and the makers, whatever your product or service is, within the company that personalize, customize feelings. I mean, even if what you're offering isn't custom, you always want people to be seen and heard and appreciated inside your client or and or customer base. You want your leaders to feel the same way. So a lot of people leave companies because they're not recognized. There's an attitude culturally within the company that you're a dime a dozen. We can, right? Like we can let you go in a second. I don't care if you're, what is it, Madden Cum Laude and, and all the things. We can replace you in a heartbeat. No one wants to feel like they're expendable, even if technically from a business standpoint, with however many million of people that are unemployed right now because of the pandemic and all the things that we've all just unfortunately had to grow through in this process and are still trying to navigate it, there's a lot of people out there that could match your resume, but no one could actually match you. 
And if your company and the culture is making you feel like we'll just replace you in a second, how energetic are you going to show up to work every day? How innovative are you going to come? How loyal are you really going to be when a problem arises and you have the skill set to fix it? But now you have to tap into, is it worth your time going the extra mile and you being intimate to create a solution that breaks the boxes of all the maybe support tools and resources the company gave you to originally fix it? When you know your gifting might be to blow up that box, break it all the way to get to a space where you can create a solution. But if you don't feel seen and heard and appreciated and validated and edified and desired in that company because you're a dime a dozen, how much are you going to show up fully for that? So the leadership intimacy work we're doing is really helping them to not only see their skills, see their talents and see their gifts, but to help the company appreciate it. So they acknowledge, do you know all the dopeness that you're working with right now? <laughs> right? That you don't want to walk out the door on you? Let's make sure we can meet in the middle so the company doesn't feel beholden to your knowledge and scared that they're just going to lose the transfer of knowledge, which costs them money to onboard and retrain and do all the things if you were to just up and go. But if you could see their value and they could see that they are valued, they're going to be loyal to you and do way more than their pay grade, quite honestly. Certainly, that's a perfect point. You talked about women leaders and a few brave men. So <laughs> dive in, if you could, a little bit about the, the typical life business situations you're encountering when they're bringing you in. Yeah, so it depends if they're at the corporate end or the entrepreneurial spirit okay. that's bringing me in because they're both the company and the entrepreneurial spirit is really invested in the change that's going to allow them to be out and make more money. Like I would love to say it's all because everyone wants ice cream and, and cuddles together, but it's really about their ROI. They want to get rid of any of the slowing problems, the anchoring issues that are keeping them from being able to explode into the next level of their growth whatever that looks like. So if it's a company that's bringing us in, 2020 was a little bit of a, uh, a skewed outlier because a lot of companies were calling us specifically because of the mental health and wellness circles mm. that we could create for them, like with all the uncertainty and ambiguity and all the things that were created prior to 2020. They weren't focused on that, quite honestly. There were very few companies that were like, hey, we just want to support our people because it's the right thing to do to help them build up and strengthen the muscle before they have to, you know, rely on small reserves and coping skills because they're breaking down. Love to say it was different, but it wasn't. Uh, prior to 2020, companies were calling us in because they wanted to make sure that they could sure up their resources with checking the box of we provided work-life balance uh, and stress management resources, right, for their insurance rates would be lower for their global insurance rates if they were providing certain things. So a lot of it was just checking the boxes. There were rare companies that understood without us educating them first if you can help the person inside the professional grow and thrive, there's literally no end to the possibilities of what your company can do, even beyond the current box or streamlined divisions that you've created, because then you've unleashed these entrepreneurial spirits mm -hmm. to think beyond their circumstances. So I would love to say it was different, but that wasn't the case. For the individuals, the, the women, the brave men, and the power couples that are bringing us in to their realm, they are really exhausted. 
that's what's leading them. They are the companies might get there at some point, like they're willing to be honest about what they're saying. But the individuals are coming much faster than the companies because they're like, listen, I'm exhausted. I've built all of this time and energy and spent money and resources and missed ballet classes and recitals and all kinds of things birthday parties and for everyone, even if they don't have children per se, in order to build this business, this scalable, thriving company. And I've lacked love. I've lacked being desired. I And maybe in relationship, by the way, these aren't necessarily people who are single and like loving being single and then come having a come to Jesus moment. Hey, I don't like being single anymore. They are people who are in relationship and saying, I'm pulling up to the drive, sitting in the car for 45 minutes because I'm like, what's the point of going in? There's nothing exciting on the other side of the door. Mm. There's more regimented conversation, mediocre, mediocre topics. And there's not necessarily negativity. It's not necessarily the couples that are like, oh, we're two seconds from separation or divorce. That's not necessarily where they're at. Of course, they have those moments and those thoughts. Would life be better <laughs> without this mundane kind of mediocrity that we're living in the shadows? In, but they're really happy on paper and they want happier. They want real whole success. Their bank accounts are fine. Their portfolios are thriving, like all that good stuff. And they're like, and my bedroom is a desert. <laughs> when we have sex, it feels like a chore. Yeah. It's an obligation. If we exactly, if we do, it's a chore. We're both trying to make sure the other feels like we're interested, but neither one of us are really connected. So a lot of people have thoughts that, oh, if your bedroom is, is deserted and dry, it's because you're not attracted anymore. Your heart through. There's emotional intimacy that has tethered away because we all got lost in the busyness of building the wild much they're coming because they're exhausted and they want to reconnect. What's the length of an engagement and what type of coaching do you provide within the within this uh, intimacy? Your background is so diverse with mm-hmm. psychotherapists, trauma specialists, sexology. So how do you navigate them through a typical program if there is such a thing? Yeah, I bring yeah, no, you're right. There is a, a typical program that's always customized, right? Like it's a framework that's always customized to their issue. So you work with them for nine months. We say it's birthing a new relationship. Mm. So the same amount of time to incubate a baby and get them healthy, we're incubating a sea of love and deeper connection with each other. Like you're relearning each other. So when I work with a couple, we have our couple sessions so we can amplify what we need to. But I pull them out separately as well because there's individual stuff that we have to flush through. Mm-hmm. There's scripts and I told them that this is how you show up after 10 years or 15 years or five years in a relationship. It's not serving them, but this is what they saw or this is what they thought they needed to recreate and do. And it's not working for them. So we literally have to unthread all that. Rescript those destructive patterns and those things not helpful for them and then help them see when they come together. Now they have to relearn the new person. So the David that I fell in love with 10 years ago, who's being rescripted by Big Pro, right? Like on the other end, he's a different David. He's a better David, but he's still different. That's mm-hmm. not the David. And then I have to get used to this new and improved David and determine 
is this really what I want? Because some people say that then that we flip to a conscious uncoupling because it's actually not what they wanted. They're like, good for you. Love that you're growing. That's not what I want. Yes. That's not who I want to be with. And then we have to go. And it's not something we promote that we do, but occasionally it's the best thing in the world that they realize that it is safe to break the expectation that you have to be with someone that is no longer aligned with your morals and your integrity and your idea of who you're becoming and vice versa. Like, obviously, if one still wants to hold on and the other one doesn't, that's another layer that we have to work through and look at all those pieces. But for most people, It's retraining them to love the new version of themselves that's Mm. free from all of the expectations that weren't serving that they've become used to. So throughout this nine-month process, there's a lot of ways this thing can go, correct? Yep, (laughs) it is, absolutely. So if if someone is coming one-on-one, just the individual, not the couple, I do hold them for 12 months. We want that container a little bit deeper and longer because there's the first couple of months is just unraveling all the calcified chaos and confusion that's on top of their belief system. A lot of stuff, a lot of crap that doesn't even belong to them. It shows up in their branding, right? Like they're sitting and they have wine. They don't even drink. They're like, oh, but I'm sober. So why do you have wine in your personal branding? Like why if you really believe in a sober life and that's what you want to do or they're always happy and smiling and everything's a positive affirmation. Meanwhile, the best parts of them are in those real raw truth moments that are a little uncomfortable. Why isn't that in your branding? Like we can tie it all up, but it takes roughly two to three months just to get them to be honest. Mm. So we gotta weed through all of that stuff because they think they're being honest. I don't need you to ask me anything. And then there's the the media answers, the sound bites, right? That are coming. I'm like, no, Danielle, I want the breakdown. I want the no one's listening, no one's recording. You cuss, fuss, you you shed whatever you need to speak your mind, talk over yourself type of answer. And then it takes a little while for them to really trust that this is a sacred and safe space for them to do it. And I'll still hold them as an expert. Because that's why a lot of people don't want to be honest. They're like, if I get vulnerable with you, you're not going to see me as amazing as I am. And I'm going to see you at a networking event or you'll have a referral opportunity because maybe even as my advisor, you still might work with people that could be clients of mine. You won't refer me to them because you've seen me emotionally naked. And I have to help cultivate a sacred circle, if you will, where they understand I could see you spitball naked, cellulite on the floor, lack of muscle tissue, snot nose all over the place. And if I know based on your skill that you are dope at, I don't know, building ring lights or helping other people, you know, with their health coaching transformation or whatever, I'm still going to refer you because the two are not something that I say is, oh, because Daniela or Lisa or Tom or David was a mess in this way, can't possibly be amazing in business. There's an, and we all live in the space of and if we acknowledge it, you can be a hot mess and really dope at what yes. you do in business. So that's a huge part of why so the you, difference. You break down a lot of fear-based behavioral, personal behavioral attitude. Yeah. So you, you jumped into branding there and how they brand themselves. So as leaders, as entrepreneurs, how do you incorporate personal branding in, in your personal development consulting, either overtly or just as an intrinsic part of your coaching? 
Yeah, and it, it is, honestly is intrinsic for me. So what we've done over the last year, honestly, because COVID and its disruptive, unsolicited gifts that it was, is it exposed even the ways that we were hiding and we weren't being honest what we really wanted to do. Prior to 2020, I allowed people to come in through the traditional leadership development door, traditional professional development and training. I want a training on how to deal with a, a difficult client, like whatever door they wanted to come in with that. And then they would stay with us because as we got safe together and created that that sacred space, they would start to tell on themselves. And tell me what was really happening behind the scenes and how it was infesting their relationship with their parents, with their siblings, with their kids, if they had it. The reason they wouldn't get another pet when someone died seven years ago, whatever the case, they would start to really get deeper and we could get into the emotional intimacy and stay. And so we were able to really look at how doing the inner child healing work and all the the detoxing from letting go toxic people, places and patterns and all that was going to then show up in their businesses on that end. But for 2020, it exposed like, why are you letting people come through doors when that's not your style? That's like the the same as the smiling, positive affirmations everywhere, acting like real life isn't happening anywhere. And until someone gets you into the proverbial kitchen, because in most houses, for all of you who are listening, the kitchen is where the real conversations happen, mm-hmm. right? That's when you get down and dirty, nitty gritty, and the grandmama starts telling all the business, the real talk of what's happening. It was like, why are you waiting to do all that when you need to make it clear your part of your difference is you create these sacred spaces for these difficult conversations, for this healing, for this letting go and forgiving yourself and transformation and all the the things that are coming. So why is that a backdoor that people have to learn once they get in versus it being the front door? So a lot of our work was really looking at where are you not showing up fully? You literally teach people how to show up fully. Where are you not showing up fully from a company-wide perspective? Starting with the head, first partaker, I'm the CEO of the company, so I had to take full responsibility for it and look at it. And once we reshaped it, we created a space where we're like, listen, am I your business coach? No. Am I a business strategist? Absolutely. Could I do it? Sure. Do I want to? No. Not doing it. I will partner with personal branding experts and business coaches and leadership development coaches who want to do that individual kind of individualized work with you in that way. But when you come to me, it is all about amplifying your intimacy in whichever way it applies, right? If you're coming on a more personal and then we reroute to your business so it then reflects in all the ways that it shows up. And then I pull in my power partners like yourself that are like, no, he's the, he can tell you the colors and the layout and the strategy and the Google analytics, like all the stuff, right? Behind that. That's not what we're doing. I want to hold you to, are you being honest when he asks you the questions? Mm-hmm. Are you being clear when he says, really, what do you like? And I'm trying not to use the name of your podcast right now. When he's asking you, like, how do you show up fully that you can really answer that without giving a media bite answer? Right. So that's for me, it is intrinsic because I'm building it in. But I took apart all the things that, yeah, I could do, but I don't want to. And it's also not my best self when I have people around me that are freaking phenomenal. And that's their zone of genius that we can partner with and make this entrepreneur and their company a beast Mm -hmm. or this company that's 
pretty significant on paper, but really messy inside, be absolutely a reflection on the inside inside and out of how they're really supporting the culture they're claiming to create and not just doing it so they don't get canceled on black Twitter. (laughs) Real real talk. (laughs) So honesty is the hallmark. Honest assessment, honesty, and that leads to the authenticity and genuine, and that's a hallmark of, of personal branding. Share Share your perspective as a leader and a coach and a trainer and an advisor on personal branding in today's world. Yeah, that's a simple, not easy answer. It's the simplistic answer to that is be honest and authentic. But that's not easy because that means being vulnerable and showing weakness and the fact that you're flawed and you're not perfect and choosing what needs to be fixed and dealt with versus what's folded in as a part of a nuance, a unique selling point for you. Like you and I, David, from other work that we've done together and in front of some of your other hats with other classes and things, we look, I think I shared, like, I talk funny. And some people catch that immediately. Some people don't. I've been talking funny since I was a kid. I don't have a list, but I have this weird kind of bite for how I talk. So sometimes I'll speed up my words, like just meant, like subconsciously compensate for what I'm trying to get out because my brain is moving really fast, faster than my mouth. Like it's, So the thought, the sentence is already there like 30 seconds before it comes out and I have to catch it, pull it back, let it flow and still be listening all at the same time. So me talking funny and uh, fast and sometimes it, if you're looking at my face, it looks like I'm talking from the side of my mouth a little bit. I thought that was a flaw growing up, especially it was part of why I shied away from like public speaking and all the things. I would write poems and stuff all day, but don't ask me to get in front of people because then they'll catch me talking funny. Right. Like in my mind. And it wasn't a conscious thought. It was just something that I felt. And I realized, and I'm very animated. I talk with my hands and my body moves me really well. I can't sit still. <laughs> it's like a, it's a whole scene. Like, girl, stand still. Can't do it. Just It's not in my purview. I can never be a news anchor because I can't stand still. And it took me being honest with myself and getting some coaching and having some training around it for myself. Not always the expert needs to have coaching and training for his or herself as well. I needed to see that was something I could choose to fix. Or I could fold it in as a part of my uniqueness. One of the things that people say about me all the time is how much energy I have. Now, I don't necessarily think that I'm showing up with more energy than the next person, but I am physically animated. And the fact that I talk fast speeds up the energy of the conversation. And, of course, I'm focused on slowing myself down enough so people can follow me and be in the conversation with me and all the things. And I think that's like a unique part of who I am that was purposeful in that I decided that this flaw that other people would see would be folded in as a part of my authentic difference. So when I show up in branding and I'm doing my live streams or videos, like I'm still me, I'm still talking funny and I'm still talking with my hands and I'm not trying to keep my hands folded and out of, you know, the view. And some people love it. Some people are like, what the hell is wrong with this girl? Like, why is she all over with her energy? But if you're tuned into what I'm saying, You'll get all the gems. And you made a couple of points earlier about leadership branding and how people show up and everything's great. And they're creating a false, they're constructing a false narrative based on what's really happening. So personal branding today, they have to show up as themselves. 
fabulous, vulnerable, mm-hmm. willing to help, uh, anxious to lead and learn, right? Yeah, the the whole like bowl of it all together. Like you could, I'm a very positive person. So I'm absolutely going to have positive statements, affirmations and all kinds of things. I'm also going to have come, as I like to call them, come to Jesus moments with you. And I'm going to have those video. I just did one last week. Where I was like, listen, get y'all lives together, right? And this is what it is because you need that in your sister, your friend, your brother, the person you trust to be honest with you has to show up being honest. So I'm not happy all the time. Like I'm happy most of the time. I have a very good life. I'm super grateful for. And I still have life happening. There are storms that I just can't control that definitely impact my energy. I get sick like anyone else, as superhuman as I am. I still have moments where I'm like in a fetal position. <laughs> so I have to just be honest about that. And I do the same for my clients. Like it's okay to not be okay all the time. So you're guiding the women leaders and the power couples in how to show up, how to be honest, authentic, intimate with themselves. Mm -hmm. You've spoken a couple of times, uh, several times to, to my temple class, and now you're taking what you're sharing with leaders and helping break it down to their culture, their moment in life and their future milestones. Talk a little bit about branding, intimacy, what you counsel the college students and young professionals on. Yeah, we've talked about a lot from the the reality that you have to have boundaries around your time in order for you to show up fully. If you are overextending and overgiving and have people who are detracting from your energy, right, the leeches, the vampires, the energy zappers, whatever your verbiage might be for those of you who are listening, because I know there's like a lot of lingo around it, but people who are not adding as much to your life as they are taking, When you have that constantly happening and then you in your real life, right, because that's your relationship life. Those are the things happening behind the curtains. And then on stage, you have to show up with energy and vigor and being fully focused to be able to repeat out everything you're going to say and to show up for your clients and your prospects or whatever that looks like for you. But you don't have very much of that energy and vigor and excitement because of what's going on behind the curtains from the leeches and the vampires taking from you. We need to put some boundaries in place because mm-hmm. without them, there's no clear line for people to know what's OK and what isn't. Some people who truly do love you take advantage of you simply because you haven't made it clear. Yes. This is the line that you cannot cross. So some of the teaching is like that simple but not easy. Because now we're dealing with the guilt of, oh, my God, you're talking about my parents or my that's my sister. She's always been like that. She's always just stepped over the line. And that's who we've allowed her to be. So Mm -hmm. some of my pushback to everyone, especially my private clients, is how are you creating this for yourself? And who is this serving for you to continue to do it? Like when we say. Oh, that's just Nikita. Nikita's just, she's just always been a special person and, and not necessarily in a good way. If you've allowed Nikita to just be Nikita in your presence, Nikita's always going to be Nikita, even if it irritates you, even if it throws you off your square. If you feel like after being with Nikita, you are drained, you have a headache, you're frustrated, right? Like even if I'm still going to be Nikita because you've never said not here. This isn't okay. Not in my proverbial house, which could be on your phone, via your text messages, WhatsApp, whatever it is that you're using. 
in your emails. Like I gave a suggestion the other night when I was presenting at Western Washington University, we were talking about the guilt that comes up for setting boundaries, especially with family and everyone. This is an entrepreneurial program. So everyone is like trying to get venture capitalists involved and creating these amazing projects like they're beasts, right? Going after it. And meanwhile, they have family members who are like, when is this moment going to be over? This whole entrepreneur thing that you're doing, right? This is a phase, I'm sure. And they're like super passionate, as we all are as entrepreneurs, even when we're exhausted, we're still super passionate about the overall outcome that we're trying to create. And that's happening. And what do you do with that when you have the the cousin that's blowing up your phone with little words? Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> no, nah, I don't want anything. These weird, awkward moments. You're like, dude, I'm trying to get a million dollar angel investor, right? Like I'm going after something big that can help all of us, but they just want you now. They don't Mm -hmm. care about what you have going on. And a a lot of it is because we still answer the text. We didn't put do not disturb from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. per se on our phone, which we could have done. And they would have gotten that cousin would have got an automatic message that says Nikita is not available. It could heck, you can say I'm driving right now. And we've all received those messages when we've sent something, just putting those really clear lines in for people like, Oh, nope, I I know cousins not available from 10 to five. And I'm picking on a family member, but apply it to your lover, apply it to your children, apply it to your coworkers who have zero boundaries and ping you on Skype or Microsoft Teams all day because they figure where well, you're working from home, you should just be available as if you don't have biology happening and need to actually get up for a moment. So boundaries is it's fascinating that you're <clears throat> going there because that is the probably I, I would guess and, and you would certainly know is the most difficult thing for a college student, young professional to set because they're at college. They're pushing boundaries. They're not setting them in many cases, mm-hmm. but you're saying they have to experience and then set those boundaries. Yeah. So I often, especially for the students, and of course this applies, I don't care if you're 75, boundaries still comes up as an issue for people because we've allowed people to just be who they are in our lives, even if it's not serving us. But for the students specifically, I always mirror it back to what feels good to them. Does it feel good that you have someone constantly knocking on your dorm door when you're trying to rest, when you have a 20-page paper to write, when you just came in from your two part-time jobs so you can make ends meet? And maybe they aren't on scholarship, not your business, not your problem. What is your business and is your problem is you need rest or you're going to fail that test and you're going to have a whole nother you know, set of issues to come out of it. And you don't want to go answer the door just to please them. And they say five minutes that turns into four hours. And now you've got nothing done, including resting. And you don't feel good about it. Next time, John or Joe or Jill, you resent them. And now you have all this toxicness developing in your spirit and making you sick and breaking you out. And no teenager wants to be breaking out with acne, right? (laughs) So I try to make it something tangible and real that they can align with. Oh, yeah, I can't. I like doing Instagram selfies. I can't be breaking out. Whatever whatever language they need to hear it in that's real is what I'll speak it Mm. for them. That's perfect. Describe, since this is the name of the podcast, the experience of you. What kind of experience does Nikita Thigpen think of intentionally delivering day in and day out? 
Yeah, this is giving me cause for pause, right? This is no one's ever asked me this question. My experience, I believe that I give people privacy. I am a secret keeper. There's literally, I don't care if we never talk 50 years from now, no one will ever know anything that you share with me unless you were a danger to yourself or others. I'm always a clinician <laughs> outside of that. I think I give people that literally, I'm going to oversay this word today, but that sacred created space that even if we're on a subway together talking, they feel fully heard and valued and appreciated. I'm not necessarily trying to make them feel desired because I am a very sexy woman and I don't want any signs to get misconstrued. <laughs> I save all the desiring from my husband, but <laughs> desiring from the perspective, of course, and without the fun of it, for them to feel fully seen. I do want them to feel that level of desiring, that recognition, but I don't want any signals to get misconfused, especially if they know what I do for a living. I think they feel the energy of me, my compassion, sincerity, my integrity, because I will do whatever it is I say that I'm going to do. And if I had to say anything else, I would say they feel my genuineness for them to do, be, have, or achieve whatever it is that we are in communication around them wanting more, regardless of whether or not I'm the person for them to connect with or hire or go further with in the transformational experience. So I, I think those are the things that people would say about me. And I hope that that comes true in reviews of this podcast. When they <laughs> well, they can't understand their fabulousness, uh, your fabulousness until they see you and, and, and <laughs> have the chance to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. But now let's flip the dynamic. What do you react to in experiencing others? What what are you looking for, hoping for? What turns you on in making a connection? Yeah. So this is much easier for me to answer <laughs> than for me. The very first thing that dropped into my spirit when you asked that question, I want to know that someone is fully present. If you're in my presence and we're chest to chest, whatever communication, virtually or in person, I want to know that you are fully present with me energetically, hmm. not waiting. Hurry up, Nikita, finish your sentence so I can check my text messages, right? Like when people have their cell phone in front of you and they're doing it. And I'm not talking about the moment of, hold on one second, like we, right. we, we met in the middle when they were already doing something. But if we're at a meeting, like, and you and I have had meetings, I don't even think the cell phones came out. Like they're wherever they're tucked away on purpose, unless there's something urgent. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate and respond well to full presence, even if it's for two minutes. Second to that is organic reciprocity. I know what I do is very layered and it's intimate. And it's really hard to tell someone in your circle, like, mm, sounds like you need an intimacy expert. Let me hook you up with a balance and relationship advisor. Like after they just share something with you, because, it sounds a little daunting. So it's not something that you could jump in and be like, oh, here are five people for me to introduce you to. But the reciprocity looks like listening fully, mm, yes. thinking creatively around ways that we can partner together, even if it's nine months from now, because I believe you date your business partners, too. Right. Don't jump into bed with anyone. You don't know what kind of STIs they have. So you don't want to do that in business either. So let's date each other and not be a one hitter quitter in any way. And if we can commit to at least exploring the relationship, 
then we, we have a win, regardless of whether or not it's a true win or growing opportunity. For me, both of those are winning. Beautiful. Wow. I, I love that. I think that's a perfect landing point for us today. You're and I cannot thank you enough. I honor you. Thank you again for welcoming me here because it's been so fun and so incredible to have this conversation on air with you. And I look forward to in person next. <laughs> Definitely. Nikita Thigpen has been our guest, and I will have information on how to contact her and reach her and read more about what she does to transform lives. Thanks, Nikita. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Experience of You. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others who are currently trying to land a job, transition careers, or are looking to improve their professional brand. To catch all the latest workshops, resources, and insights from the Career Coach Pros community, you can follow us on Instagram at Career Coach Pros and on Twitter at Career Coach Pros. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.